welcome in John Cast Podcast, episode in number 59. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Ian's Pizza in Madison. Three locations in Madison. You got to go check them out. They've got one on State Street. They got one right next to the Coal Center, too, in the Garver Mill Feed, uh, uh, Garver Feed Mill location. Excuse me. Uh, three locations in Madison, one in Milwaukee. It's Ian's Pizza. It's delicious. They're always switching up their different slices. The macaroni and cheese is a classic slice that if you have not tried, you have to go try it. Uh, Ian's Pizza, we're working on our next promotion. Also check out johncastpodcast.com. Sign up for my newsletter. You'll get the latest uh, promotions or contests that we're running. In fact, here's one we're running right now. Uh, you can DM me on Twitter. My Twitter is at John Audius Radio. If you're watching on Spotify or YouTube, it's right at the bottom of the screen. And uh, first person that DMs me on Twitter, I'm going to hook you up with two tickets, the American Family Insurance Championship, June 10th through the 12th at University Ridge in Madison. I'll be there. I'll be there on Saturday. Um, and so uh, two tickets, yours, just DM me on Twitter at John Adias Radio. Simple as that. Pretty excited for today's episode uh, because today's guest is the play-by-play -play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers on Bally Sports Wisconsin. You also hear him calling NBA games on TNT as well as NCAA tournament games too. And he's also the voice you hear on NBA 2K. Welcome, Brian Anderson, to the John Cast podcast. What's going on, BA? Hey, John Cast. <laughs> I like it, man. <laughs> Big studio and everything. You look good. Good to well, see you again, my friend. Good to see you. You've got the fancy microphone. You've got the cool-looking microphone right this over there. This is the uh, what we call the BA 2K Lounge. You mentioned uh, NBA 2K, but this is where – this is actually in my basement of my home – and it's not a very big space, but it's perfect for what I do. It's um, it's uh, like a twelve by nine space that I. It's basically a recording studio. So I come down here and I throw on some headphones, and the whole rig's on this side, and uh, I lay down audio tracks for NBA Two K. So uh, I've been doing this since the pandemic. I actually built this myself during the pandemic. Uh, wow. There was supposed to be a team of people to come in and build it. I was like, well. Uh, looks like I'm home for the next four or five, six months. Who knows? So I ended up uh, with through FaceTime and technology, and we put this together. So I use it for uh, podcast and 2K and do all kind of voiceovers for the brewers and for TBS. So it works out great, man. It's been a great little sp uh, space for me. Yeah, wow. That is amazing, Brian, <laughs> Brian Anderson, that you're able to set up that whole a thing by well i guess with through facetime with some help but that looks really fancy and how often so you you're recording how often does 2k say hey we need more stuff well we uh we we get out about two weeks in advance and then we'll lay out maybe two or three days uh two hour sessions it's kind of you know the general rule sometimes if we're in crunch time though uh we'll bang out a lot more uh sessions and and i remember the first year I did it because I had to lay down all of like the basic tracks, you know, just the, mm -hmm. he dribbles in, you know, here's a shot, all of the, the mundane stuff, um, just to get a baseline. I think I did about 200 hours that year, but I, I only do about 40 to 50 hours a year now. And, um, most of it is just at this point changing the names and, yeah. uh, you know, as teams like yesterday, I did one. And it was just about all the new potential college players that I've already seen many of in the, in the NCAA tournament that are going to be heading into the NBA draft. So, as you know, 2K is a, is a monster game. It's the biggest sports game uh, in gaming. And they do not – it's not just the actual game that you play, but it, they have all these narratives and these stories and there's these 
backstories. And so that's really fun. So I get to do side by sides, very similar to what you and I are doing here uh, with guys like Grant Hill, with Doris Burke, with uh, Steve Smith, Clark Kellogg, um, all the people that are uh, part of NBA 2K from an analyst perspective. So we do a lot of side by sides where we don't have a game to look at, but we kind of create topics and pitch back and forth. So it's a blast, man. It's one of the coolest things I'm I'm a part of, and I'm really honored to be a part of it too. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's amazing. You get to be on the video game. Oh, and the other stuff you do is pretty fun, I guess. Yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah it's all fun. It's all great. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. good too. And by the way, I'm so uh, I got so into uh, Badger volleyball okay. last year, and I was really proud of you, man. And you had some great calls, and to, to go on a, like a national championship run those are those are rare things, as you know. But um, I tend to like track as a fan towards sports I don't call or I've never called. So mm -hmm. I've never called volleyball. I've never called like Premier League soccer. I would never do that. Hockey. So I, I love uh, just being a fan of, of those kind of sports when I'm not thinking about how I would broadcast it. Uh, yeah. So I got totally into the Badger volleyball run. It was so great, man. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And thank you for those kind words. That was that was a blast um, just being able to be a part of that. And uh, I tell people this, too. So I, I had a sports talk job that uh, last summer uh, I got let go. And so it allowed me, Brian, to really hone in on volleyball. I said, OK, I'm putting mm -hmm. everything into volleyball. And so this was the, the year that I kind of um, put 100 percent into it as opposed to, you know, having two two or three jobs at once yeah, i get um, that i get that you can go yeah. uh, multiple layers go yes. deeper and deeper it went deeper and deeper and it was so much so much fun to be a part of and you would be able to do it because you'd be on tv and all you have to do on tv i, I oh by the way that was awful i didn't make it i didn't mean to make it sound like all you have to do on tv say the words you just you just say you, you say less is my point than on radio you'd be great on radio too but you'd be i did nine years of radio man i miss radio yeah Okay. I, uh, I, that's how I started. I started in radio. I was doing a sports talk show host uh, a gig, and then uh, I did minor league baseball play-by-play. -play. So I was doing, you know, for six months, six months every year, I was doing 140 games plus playoffs if, if my team went to the playoffs. So I did nine years of radio and <clears throat> ultimately want to get back to the radio. Uh, mm -hmm. I would love to do, especially baseball on the radio is one of the greatest uh, – art forms in our industry and you know i think uh i think these uh direct to consumer coming on dtcs we call them i think uh satellite radio is i think radio has got it's got a resurgence coming it's my hunch that's my take my hot take for you john oh Oh, I like that hot take by the way so you would love to be in the brewers broadcast booth for radio Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I love what I do now, but ultimately I'm talking, you know, as I get further in my career. So I'm 50 now. Uh, I've been this is my 16th year okay. with the Brewers and I miss doing radio. I, I, you know, I came up as a radio play by play announcer. And like I said, baseball on the radio especially is mm -hmm. is the truest kind of uh create out, creative outlet in our industry in my opinion um not that all the other sports don't have their place but there's something about baseball on the radio for me that that i really enjoy so i would love to be able to do a mix i would love to be able to um 
you know, do radio full time even at some point. I, I, I love that part of it. And I haven't done it in so long that I, I miss doing it. Um, obviously I talk to our radio announcers quite a bit. I mean, Bob Euchre is gonna, is gonna go on for as long as he's gonna go on. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, I think definitely, uh, being able to get back to my roots would be very intriguing. Yeah, that would be, that'd be really fun to hear you on the radio i'm just saying like because you said it's different because right i mean tell me how the the difference is because you've been able to do both the the main differences between doing it on the radio and television because you call that an art form on radio yeah and i would say um i think and i had the same opinion when i only did radio for all those years that television would be a little bit easier but i can tell you that's not the case uh usually you hear that from those who only do radio uh, television is, from what you see on the air, there are, there's, um, you know, you, you minimize your words, um, but it's also more topic driven. It's more analyst driven. Um, I liken it to spinning plates, you know, so you spin a plate, you put it on a stick and on television, you may have 10 plates. You've got to keep spinning at all times. And what that may entail is producer director graphics people all your tape your tape room those who are pulling together your highlights um the game itself your partner uh this your sideline reporter so you're in in a lot more of a quarterback role uh where or point guard role is probably a better way to put it where you're you're trying to distribute the ball you know and but you still got to be on time and and make the calls radio you don't have all those outside influences you're watching the game you can take it wherever you want to take it um you have the freedom to go wherever you want so if you're confident in the language and you're confident in your ability to produce words um without a script which at this point in my career i am (laughs) uh that's that's the fun part you know to to be able to just kind of go where you want to go and have this blank canvas um and of course you're calling the plays as they happen and you're describing the scene, but uh, to have the freedom uh, feels very enticing to me at this point. And that's something that I miss. Uh, I think, uh, I'm, you know, when I talk to my colleagues who do both uh, that go back and forth between TV and radio, you know, I think they, they feel very satisfied to do that. And I understand all of that. And I feel the same way, you know, um, I feel the same way uh, thinking about what I would want to do in the future but television there's a lot going on and it's a, it's an art form unto itself where <laughs> you're constantly having to to keep multiple tracks of your brain going along the same rail like they're on parallel tracks and yes you're calling a game but yes you're also listening to your producer what's coming next you know uh, as far as like topics or a graphic or a promo or all the things that you'd be familiar with doing radio all the all, all those years, especially on a talk show. So, you know, you got to keep the play-by-play eyes and mind going, and then you got to keep all the other stuff. And is your partner being set up properly and cashed in properly and all those really technical things that uh, when you get done with a telecast, you know, you're you're a little bit wiped out because your your brain's been stretched for that whole time. It may seem slow. It's like that duck on the water, you know, you may be floating along, especially in baseball, but man, underneath the feet are paddling really fast. Uh, that's what TV feels like. Do you feel mentally drained after a broadcast? 
Yeah, I do. I I feel like, um, and it's a good, it's a good feeling. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you've put everything into it. Um, you know, it's funny when I go do the NBA or I do college basketball, I always walk away from those games feeling like I hardly worked. Yeah, <laughs> mm. uh, they're just, I don't know. There's it's the difference between baseball on television versus the NBA or college basketball on television. There's a stark difference, you know, in time and just the, the way you have to process the game. Um, so yeah, you, you do feel that way, especially after a baseball game, you know, you get into a, uh, a long baseball game, three and a half, four hour baseball game. Um, you know, and I try to put everything into every inning. It's, you know, you think about, wow, what am I going to say for the next four hours? But as I tell young broadcasters, I don't really think of it that way. I always just, you know, I talk about inning to inning or the assembly line mentality. And if you just stay in the moment, stay fully present, each pitch, each inning, get to commercial, commercial to commercial, you know. Uh, and then at the end, you can look up and uh, see what you've been able to accomplish or how you've done. Um, but that's when you feel it, when you're done and you're driving home or you're flying back to your home. Uh, you're like, wow, man, you know, I feel like that's a good feeling that I've kind of given everything I've had, at least from from my brain's perspective. My dad always says, he goes, man, you're going to live forever. Your brain is so fully engaged because he's sat in the booth with me. He's put the headsets on. Um, but I do enjoy it, man. And I notice when I'm not working games. So I've just been out. For a couple of weeks, uh, I had COVID, and so I haven't been working. I've been shut down. I couldn't pop a, a negative test, and so <laughs> I've been taken off the grid here for the last couple of weeks. So it, it does, like, my brain doesn't work as well if I'm not working games and I'm not engaged in thinking. And it's amazing how many um, things that I leave around the house or I can't find my glasses or, I can, you know, it's just like I turn into Mr. Magoo when I'm not, like, active and working games yeah that's that is pretty crazy it's like you're working your brain out and keeping it in shape yes. i guess um so so let's talk a little bit about the 2022 milwaukee brewers how would you describe the season thus far for the for the crew well the disclaimer is i've hardly been around the team <laughs> yep so i will say that uh i i have uh, my schedule is uh backloaded from june to obviously october uh, so coming off the NCAA tournament, NBA playoffs, COVID, um, I, I've only seen them, you know, a handful of games live. I watch most all the games or listen to them when I can. Uh, so with that uh, asterisk in place, I will say that I think they're, I think they're a World Series contending team. And I say that, you know, hoping I don't jinx it. But when you have a pitching staff like they've assembled in Milwaukee, um, you can beat pretty much anybody any day. And I think you can beat teams in a series. I think you can win four out of seven games against any team, even uh, the great teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees this year are looking like one of those great teams. Um, so that that said, this is a, a window now, you know, as the calendar turned from May to June, uh, there's a few things at play. Number one, the Brewers have had or will have three three city road trips. You've probably heard that on the broadcast. You've heard that from sports talk show hosts, but I'm telling you, that's a big deal. I've never seen it in three consecutive road trips being three city trips. Mm -hmm. Those are very taxing. Um, the Brewers just played a, a 
a sequence of 11 games in 10 days that included a doubleheader against the Cubs. Man, those kill your bullpen. Uh, that's when you start to get injuries, fatigue, all that. You don't have your facilities. You're not in your home surroundings. It's a challenge. Now they've got one more of those three city trips coming. And then uh, the schedule will turn in their favor quite a bit. Then they lost two of their top five starting pitchers. They lost Peralta, who's going to be down for months, and Woodruff, who uh, should be coming back soon. Uh, you lost your starting right fielder. You lost your shortstop. Uh, the guy who was replacing your shortstop, your everyday third baseman, has hardly played. So you start to look around. It's like I'm kind of amazed that they're hanging around first or in first in this little window of time. Uh, I've been very impressed with this stretch of games that they've they've been able to play 500. I thought they were going to tank hard uh, just because you can see it in the bullpen. You're having all these major league debuts. You're pulling guys up from the minor leagues. You're stretching your rotation. Uh, so I always think about it in playoff perspective. So if you go into a four-man rotation in the playoffs, which is typical, you don't need six, uh, you're going to put two of your top starters, two of your top six starters are going to go into the bullpen immediately. That in immediately increases your level of success in the pen. And then you got Williams and Hayter uh, in the back end, and that's as good as it gets. So mm -hmm. they're going to have to hit a little bit. I think they're going to need to make a move to pick up a bat. Um, and I would say that would be like the primary um, piece to the puzzle is to get a proven playoff tested bat that's going to cost you some prospects, maybe some pitching, very similar to what the Brewers did giving up Rasmussen and Fire Eisen to get Willie Adamas. I mean, those were two really good pitchers that are still pitching very well for the Rays right now, but Adamas has been a difference maker. And so you might have to do one more of those. And then I think the Brewers would be would be pretty full and uh, a well-rounded roster if everybody stays healthy. Yeah. Another difference maker is Christian Yelich in 2018 and 2019 specifically. Mm -hmm. What are people saying about Yelich and kind of the uh, the slump that he's been uh, on? I don't know. I don't think he's in a slump, actually. I, okay. I hate to be callous. I just I think this is who he is now. I think he had two incredible years. Um, it's hard to sustain that level of success. Yelich hadn't produced those kind of numbers as a Miami Marlin prior to that, um, had two incredible years, got hurt, fractured kneecap, chronic back injury. He's not able to do the things that he would normally do to prepare for a game as far as like the fatigue, wear and tear uh, pieces where, you know, he can't take, you know, 100 swings every day. I just think this is who he is. He's a good player. He's a very good baseball player. Uh, so I, I advise that we stop thinking about Christian Yelich as a superstar talent. He's a great teammate. He's a great uh, asset to the organization, incredible in the community, put up two of the best years, you know, back-to-back -back in Brewer history. He's just not that guy anymore. So um, he can be. There can be windows and weeks or a couple of days or a series where he goes off. But I think, you know, he is kind of who – he has been. I think he'll be better than he was two years ago, and he's probably be a little bit better than he was last year if you're hoping for a plus year. But that's just who he is. He's probably going to hit 230 to 250. He's probably going to hit 15 to 20 homers when it's all said and done. And he's fast. He's, um, you know, his skills have diminished in the outfield a little bit. So that's just who he is. We got to get used to that. I mean, he's in okay. a long term deal, and that's just, we need to stop thinking of Christian Yelich as the highest paid superstar talent 
that he was in 18 and 19. I, I would be shocked if he ever got back to that level again. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, you know, I've got a couple more minutes with you, and I did want to ask you a couple broadcasting questions again. Sure. Um, so when did you want to become a broadcaster? Was there a moment or how did that progress? You're like, oh, man, this is it. I want to I want to talk into a microphone. <laughs> well, I, I played sports all throughout, you know, um, all, my whole life. Even in college, I was a scholarship athlete in college. I played baseball. So in my mind, I always was fascinated with broadcasting and uh, it probably comes from my grandfather down to my dad. Uh, we would go watch games or, you know, let's say we're watching my older brother play. We wouldn't sit in the stands. We'd sit in the car and we would listen to the to games on the radio, baseball games. So the way that our high school was constructed, you could park your car down the down the right field line and or left field line either way. And then we would just pull the car up and <laughs> listen to games. That's awesome. So I did that all the time. I mean, that was just very natural thing for us to do is watch my older brother play while I listened to the games. And then, and then obviously I played as well. And so in high school, I started um, kind of doing like mock broadcast, not, not really thinking this was going to uh, increase my skills or enhance my skills. I was just doing it to get a laugh. So I would be in the dugout and I would just kind of call plays and I would do them in funny ways or give them different names, um, <laughs> do different accents, you know, like, yeah. so, so it kind of evolved out of that. But, but then my teammates and my friends would say, man, actually, that sounds pretty good. You should maybe do that. And so then I go to college, same kind of thing. I go to college, I play baseball in college, you know, I'm doing it in the dugout. And at one point my head coach, who uh, just retired, but he turns around and goes, damn, B.A., that's pretty good. I go, oh, I wasn't trying to be good. I was trying to actually be funny. He goes, long story short, we shared a field with the minor league baseball team okay. when I was in college in San Antonio. And he suggested, his name's Charlie Meagle, the head coach at St. Mary's University, said when the season ended, and, he, and we were a really good team, by the way, so we were playing deep into the playoffs every year. He suggested, he goes, why don't I get you connected with the radio announcer of the professional double A team that's here? I mean, I think you should pursue that. Sounds pretty good in the dugout. I'm like, I don't know if he was trying to get rid of me or, um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, so I did that. And I, cause I stayed all summer and worked on the grounds crew and did all kind of stuff there. So I was already around all of it all the time. Uh, and then like long story short, I connected with that guy. He he hired me when I graduated from college just to kind of help him. I had a technical background. I had done a ton of like uh, audio and camera graphics. I worked for a cable company in the studio. We did all like public access shows and yeah. talent shows and Spurs preseason games. So I had a lot of like experience doing the technical stuff. So, uh, you know, I think he looked at me as an asset to, uh, help him set up all the equipment and uh, do everything. So this is long before uh, digital uh, yeah. broadcasting. So this is in the early 90s. So that's kind of where it started. And then, you know, after a couple of years of that, and I realized I wasn't good enough to play professionally, uh, you know, I, I thought there for a window I was maybe going to get drafted and get to play, and then I could play for a long time and, you know, live out the dream, play in the major leagues, and then maybe be a, an announcer after that. But I had to go to plan B and plan B was, okay, what can I do in this field? And so I, I started from scratch. I didn't even have a journalism school. 
in my college. I was an English major. And so I just trial by fire, man. I went in, I recorded a bunch of mock games and that's when I got serious, you know, and then I would say there was a the level of seriousness after I got the job, which was totally put in my lap to do home games only. I was making $25 a game. I was also catching bullpens. I was throwing batting practice really? to the, to the double a team, the, sure. the San Antonio missions. Yeah. Like I caught Chan Ho parks first bullpen session in the United wow. States. So wow. that's that era of guys coming mm -hmm. up. So anyway, like two years into that, uh, I realized, you know, I was getting a lot of feedback, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people, I, I had a really bad, just kind of Texas hillbilly draw, kind of talk like this, you know? So I kind of had a voice up here in the register and talked out the side of my mouth. <laughs> so I fixed that. Okay. I, I read this book called change your voice, change your life. I started to learn proper breath support and how to get the voice into the proper area and Wow. That's when I really got serious. Like I had an agent who's still my agent who said, man, your rhythm and timing, everything's great. Your voice sucks. Uh, you, you don't breathe. You get to the end of your voice too often. So I went about all those mechanical exercises to make sure I had the air coming across the yeah. vocals for the resonance. And so once I kind of put the rhythm and timing and the feel for the game with the mechanics of broadcasting, remember I had no formal training, um, that's when it all kind of clicked. And then at that point I was like, I, you know, telling my wife at that point, I, I think I can actually make a run at this, you know, wow. and, and that's, that's where it really started. There was m definite phases. It was more hobby and like, Whoa, I get to hang out with a baseball team and throw batting practice and be on the radio and like hang out with the players. And, um, then it was like, okay, wait, this needs to be a career. Let's get serious about it. And then, oh, you can make money doing this? Like, what do major league broadcasters make what? <laughs> and so that was when I started wow. to really um, get serious about it. It took me a long time to get out of the minor leagues. But once that happened, uh, things went really fast, you know, from the golf channel to the Brewers. One year with the Brewers. The next year I'm on national TV with TBS. Uh, you know, a couple years after that, I'm doing the NCAA tournament and then the NBA and so it took me forever to just to like get rid of the the minor league job, but after that, it it went pretty fast. Wow! Don't forget about two K as well. Uh, okay, <laughs> change your voice, change your, change life. your life. Yeah, the guy by the up. name of um, uh, his name is it's on. You can go on Amazon right okay. now. Uh, I forgot the uh, author's name, but it, it's a it's a twelve <laughs> nine twelve dollar book. Change your voice, change your life. Change you your don't voice. need it, John. You got a great voice already. I'm curious. I you want to know how to. Big <laughs> voice. Deep voice. There's uh, a whole yeah. podcast on how to uh, speak properly. This this applies not just to broadcasters. This applies yeah. to everybody. This guy worked with um, uh, like singers. He worked with Stevie Nicks and in the yeah. 80s, Lionel Richie, like all these famous singers. And I use a lot of these principles for myself. I still use them the way you breathe and. You know, I've never lost my voice calling a game. Now, I've had allergies and whatnot that have knocked my voice out. But as far as fatigue, um, that used to happen to me all the time in the first few really? years. Uh, but it, 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 it never happens if you use it the right way. You know, your voice is a muscle and you strengthen it and how you breathe and taking those full breaths of, in your diaphragm and passing it over your vocal cords. I mean, it, there's a, it's fascinating. Wow. And so I've like... I've taught so many young broadcasters yeah. 
this principle. They think they're coming to me for play-by-play advice. How do you call a play? It's like, <laughs> actually, it's not about the play. It's about being ready to have a diaphragm full of air when the ball goes sailing over the wall and you can punch right through it. Like those are, those are the things that, that people don't talk about. So yeah, I, I I'm totally I, into it. Totally. Yeah, into it. I think I actually might want to just check that out. I think there are times, I don't know if, honestly, I don't even think about it. So when I don't, I've never once thought about breathing. I've just always just talked. So yeah, I, well, you're gifted naturally. You don't have to. So okay. I would well, say this book, that... this book doesn't do anything for like play by play. This guy worked with singers. Okay. What it does is it gets you in the proper place, your posture, yeah. uh, your voice. They calls it. He calls it the mask. Oh. Um, it's it's. I still use the principle. You'll read it in a day. I mean, okay. it's that it's that big. It's it's nothing. I love but it though. The principles it. that he applies. If you don't think about it, if you're going into this world, especially if you're doing what I do, like I, I you know, for. 10 years i was doing 200 events a year there's no way your voice can hold up to that and i was starting to feel that in the early years like man oh my voice feels so thin so it hurts you know not sore throat but just weak um and I, so i had no choice it's like if you run a marathon you better have good mechanics good gait or else you'll never finish the marathon and i you know for whatever reason, my path was to do all these games. And I'm telling you, man, it, it, it did change my life because as I got used to this and it became habit, I started to notice, like I had a completely different sound, the way I hear myself and the way people would hear me. And, you know, now it was like, Whoa, you get the feedback of, man, you're a really easy. Listen, ah, oh, your voice is interesting. It doesn't sound like anybody, you know, there's all the Vin Scully impressions and all the Matt LaPay impersonators and, in Madison, you know, we all want to follow those that we uh, appreciate. Um, but to have your own sound is really important. And especially for the fatigue factor of getting through a long season or a game or when you got to when you got to punch it up. So wow. it's interesting. Change yeah. your voice, change your life. I've sold more books for that guy. <laughs> I should, should get, get some cut. residuals, man. You should get a percentage of that. Yes. Uh, real quick. Last question for you. Um all these games, all these different sports you've been doing, what has been your favorite moment that you've been a part of that you've been able to call behind the mic? Well, there's a there's a lot of them, you know. I mean, I I I love the simple things of, you know, I, I don't want to sound corny and weird, but so I love standing up for the national anthem at all these events I do because mm -hmm. I get to take a get take a step back and look around and oh man. I'm here, you know, whatever that is, whatever the, yeah. that's a, you know, a big, big playoff game in front of 20 million people or whether it's a, a Tuesday Brewers game in August, you know, when there's 150,000 people watching, um, it doesn't matter to me. I just love soaking that in. I love going to the stadiums or ballparks, arenas, you know, when I arrive, fans aren't there yet and it's just quiet. Those are the things that I love the most as far as like moments. Uh, I will tell you that every big moment I've ever called, there's that level of anxiety that you don't want to ruin that moment that makes it hard to appreciate that moment. Mm. I don't know yes. if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Uh, in the Roy Halladay no-hitter, which is probably the like the game that put me on the map nationally, um, that, I, that was in 2010, man. I was scared to death. Like That's when, back to that book, 
Yes. You start using your breathing techniques because if you breathe rhythmically, and this is one, one thing I learned in that book, when you get into a rhythmic breathing, then that puts your heart in a regular pace in a, in a proper beat. Mm-hmm. And when your heart is in a proper beat, your mind is clear and you can think better. So that game, the Roy Halladay no-hitter in the playoffs of 2010 against the Cincinnati Reds, I, I was having to do that way more than I ever have because I was having a hard time remembering Don Larson's name. Like something that is so in, yeah. intrinsic in baseball lore that I know he was the only pitcher at that time who had thrown a no-hitter in the, in the playoffs. That was in a World Series, and it was a perfect game. But I was like, wait, is it is it Dan Larson? Is it <laughs> is it Bob Larson? I, I mean, literally, like my yeah. mind was locking up. So when I when you ask me like some of my favorite moments, every big moment I've called, Damian Lillard, the three to to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that was a famous call. Um, Ryan Braun's, you know, heroics with the yeah. Brewers all those years, like. Those are all moments that I can remember how I felt in those moments. Like, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. So I talked to Vern Lundquist about this years ago. And, you know, Vern Lundquist had this great call um, uh, with Grant Hill passing it into Christian Leitner. Leitner catching, turnaround, jump shot. One of the most famous, iconic moments in NCAA tournament history. He's never watched that game back. Really? Not once. He says, I can't do it because I know what I was feeling and thinking. And I and it almost brings on a little like PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I've never watched it. I've wow. seen the call and I've heard the call, obviously, but I've never watched the game. Uh, and I kind of feel the same way. So, um, yeah, but, you know, like the Braun, the Halliday no-hitter, Justin Turner hit a walk-off home run in a in an NLCS game, game two against the Cubs one year. That was amazing electric <clears throat> Uh, Stephen Curry scored mm. 17 points in a five-minute overtime in an NBA playoff game in Portland. That was unreal. I was honored to call that. Um, being part of the match, you know, that was a cool thing, especially match two, which raised $20 million for charity. And we did like a bubble broadcast, uh, kind of the first of its kind. So, yeah, man, I, I those are like the moments that stand out. But um, honestly, it's those little it's the little things, those small windows when you're not on the air and you're just staring out at an arena or a, a stadium. Those are what I love. Like I, yeah. I dream about those moments of that. There's a comfort in standing there and just looking out over an empty stadium or mm-hmm. during the national anthem when it's packed, but you're not responsible for saying words. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can just take those moments. Like I, I love that. I try to take pictures for a while, then Matt LaPay started making fun of me for taking pictures <laughs> of the empty arena. So I quit doing that. But And now he does it. Now he does. Now it's so, a thing. Yeah, it's a thing now. He made it a whole thing. He made me stop doing it. He shamed me out of it. Now he does it and turns it into a whole thing. Probably got a sponsor on it or something. <laughs> he took your thing, it's made you thing. feel bad, and then took it for himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And by the way, a lot of what you're saying makes sense as far as like being in that moment and like that's why I want to get this book. I want to just be able to yes. to to use some of these techniques. Breathe it out, techniques. man. I'm telling you, you'll yeah. use the you'll use the get your heart back in a good rhythm, man. That thing. I mean, I do. I use that all the time. I use it on the golf course. I I, I started oh, studying yeah, sure. like uh, um. So I'm, I'm every spring training. I'm hanging around guys like Robin Yount and you know Paul Molitor and uh, all these famous brewers and back then Hank Aaron at the time. And then I start working with guys like Kevin McHale. 
and Chris Weber and all these legendary people, Grant Hill, all these Hall of Famers, and working with Cal Ripken Jr. in baseball and John Smoltz and Ron Darling. And so I started to like, I should write a book about this, but I started to ask them questions about how did they perform when they were in the fire, like in the middle of the arena or the stadium in the World Series. And man, they all, it's, they speak to it a little bit differently, but it was all basically the same thing. It was all about rhythmic breathing, get your heart back in, in order, and then allow your body to do what it wants to do. And it's, it works the same in broadcasting. So, wow. um, yeah, I, I cool. yeah, I started like writing all these little things down from these guys and applying them to my own career. And, you know, I think, and it works, it does work. It's hard to be in a moment like that, knowing there are, 20 million people watching an NCAA tournament game or, or an MLB playoff game or whatever it may be. But when you can kind of shed away all that stuff from the outside and just be in the moment, breathe properly, see what you see, say what you say, even if you make mistakes, it's, you're just, you know, it's okay. You're still, you're still in it. Like you're fully yeah. in the moment. And I think that more than anything else has probably unlocked me as a broadcaster, um, because we're all trying to make it at some level. You know, when I was in the minor leagues, we're always thinking outside in. What, are, what is this person going to say about my call or my voice? Or Because we want to make a living at this. <laughs> you know, we want jobs. We want want to be offered jobs. Um, so I, I, I've gone on a tangent here, but it is important. And I do talk about this a lot with young broadcasters is deal with the mental side of things and how you are perceived and how you get into a game. And it's very similar to when you're an athlete. And that's one, the correlation I made, the one thing I was able to connect with all these great players I was working with to do that to broadcasting, which I'd never heard before. I'd never heard any broadcaster say, hey man, you gotta get your heart right. right. <laughs> you gotta get your breathing right. No one's ever said that. Then I read this book, I'm going, wait, if singers do it, yeah. you can see singers all the time, like take a moment or like before a big note, you know, they'll like, load it up right and they'll boom, bang out the big note like watch adele sing she's constantly like filling yeah. up that diaphragm and so i you know i just started to apply those principles and you know not saying they're for everybody let me know how it goes you can I be will. the beta test i'm definitely going to check it out because i, I noticed okay. you sat up straighter as soon as i said that yeah i'm trying to get up a little straight trying <laughs> that to breathe diaphragm a little better full. Get that diaphragm full Exactly, exactly. Because during the national championship match for volleyball toward the end of that three hour marathon, yeah. I was I was standing up, BA. I sure. was like hunched over, hands on knees, like worst posture you could have, by the way. <laughs> hunched over, hands yes. on knees. I know. And I'm so now there. you know. Now <laughs> next year's national championship run, you will you can stand. Don't I stand a lot. Yeah. But you, you still gotta stand. You can't be hunched over. You got no okay. air if you're hunched over. All right, so next year's national championship call will yes. be even better because yeah, I'll be more prepared. You're going to have that diaphragm wide open, man. You're going to be full of air. Boom. All right. Awesome. <laughs> BA, thank you so much uh, for this. I know we had some technical stuff at the beginning, but the second half flowed perfectly. So uh, thanks for your time. We'll do it again. All right, John. Great to see you, buddy. All right. Thank you. That is Brian Anderson. You hear him on uh, the Brewers broadcast on Valley Sports Wisconsin, NBA, NCAA tournament games. He does an NBA 2K 
does it all. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 59. Remember, if you want a pair of tickets to the AmFam Championship, just DM me on Twitter at John Adius Radio, and I'll hook you up with a pair of tickets, limited supplies. Um, and also thank you to Ian's Pizza in Madison with the three locations in Madison, one in Milwaukee, Seattle, and Denver as well. And check out johncastpodcast.com for all the latest contests, promotions, events going on with this podcast. And once again, thanks to Brian Anderson, and thank you for listening to the JohnCast Podcast. See ya.